0: Chapters forty four and forty five of History of Philosophy. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. History of Philosophy by William Turner. Chapter forty four William of Ockham Life. William of Ockham. Venerabilis Inceptor, Dr. Invincibilis, is by far the most important philosopher of this period. He was born at Ockham, in Surrey, about the year 1280. It is said that he studied at Merton College, Oxford, where it is possible that he had done scotus for teacher. There seems to be some doubt as to his having followed the lectures of scotus at Paris. He taught at Paris between the years 1320 and 1323. After quitting his chair at Paris, he threw in his lot with the opponents of the temporal power of the popes, was imprisoned at Avignon, escaped in 1328, and sought refuge at the court of Louis of Bavaria, to whom he made the well-known promise Tu me defendas Gladio Ego te defendam calamo. It is not known with certainty where and when he died, but it is probable that he died at Munich in 1349. Sources Occam's principal philosophical works are Superquatur Libro Sententiarum, Quod Liberta, Tractatus Logices, and Commentaries on Aristotle. In addition, he wrote several controversial works in support of the claims of the states against the Church. His commentary on the Books of Sentences was published by Trexel at Lyon in 1495. For bibliography and list of Occam's controversial writings, see F. Pothast Wegweiser page 871. Doctrines Nominalism Occam is best known by his renewal of nominalism. It would, however, be more correct to describe his doctrine of universals as a modified conceptualism. In his commentary on the Books of Sentences, he enumerates three different opinions concerning universals, and then continues. Quarta posset esse opinio, quod nihil est universale ex natura sua, sed tantum ex institutione, illo modo quo vox est universalis, set hec videtur non vera. In the Tractatus Logices, he formulates his own doctrine that the universal is an intention of the mind. Nullum universale est substantia, quo modo cumque consideretur, sed quod libet universale est intentio anime, Que secundum unam opinionem probabilem ab actu intelligendi non distinguitur. Nevertheless, it is true that Occam is, in a certain sense, a nominalist. He maintains, for example, that propositions, not things, are the objects of scientific knowledge. Scientia quelibet, sive si realis, sive rationalis, est tantum de propositionibus tamquam de illis quae sciuntur, quod sole propositiones sciuntur. Occam, therefore, is a conceptualist who uses the language of nominalism. He does not subscribe to the doctrine that the name vox is alone universal, but distinguishing between the vox scripta et prolata and the vox concepta, or the term as it exists in the mind, intentio anime, he declares that the latter alone possesses universality. He is a terminist rather than a nominalist. Occam, it should be said, devoted special attention to the development of the logical doctrine of supposition as formulated in the Summule of Petrus Hispanus. He would distinguish, therefore, between the meaning of the word and the supposition of the term, and would attribute universality. To the supposition as well as to the meaning. But although Occam did not profess the cruder form of nominalism, he may justly be considered the forerunner of the nominalists who appeared at the close of the fourth period of the history of scholasticism. Psychology Since the only reality is the individual, the individual is the only object of knowledge. There is, therefore, no need of an intermediary species knowledge takes place by immediate contact of subject with object it is intuitive there is indeed a kind of knowledge which occam calls abstractive this he maintains has nothing to do with really existing things all knowledge of reality is intuitive it follows that the active intellect is as useless as are the species Occam, however, preserves the terms active intellect and passive intellect to designate the active and passive phases of the activity of the mind. Intellectus agents et intellectus possibilis sunt omnino idem re et ratione. Ideo dico quod non est ponenda pluralitas sine necessitate. The principle here enunciated is known as the law of parsimony or more commonly as Occam's razor. Occam distinguishes between the rational soul and the sensitive form in man. The latter is extended and is corruptible. Preter animam intellectivam est ponere aliam formam scilicet sensitivam superquam potest agens naturale Corrupendo et producendo et idio non sequitur quod hec esset incorruptibilis. It is this sensitive soul which is united immediately with the body. With regard to the rational soul, neither reason nor experience can prove that the principle of understanding is the substantial form of the human body. It follows that reason cannot demonstrate the immortality of the individual soul. Aristotle's authority cannot be invoked because he speaks hesitatingly. We are obliged, therefore, to accept these truths as matters of faith. This leads to the next point. Occam's skepticism Occam does not deny the possibility of arriving at certitude. The skeptical tendency in his philosophy manifests itself in the attempt to restrict the power of human reason. We have just seen that he relegates the immortality of the soul to the sphere of faith. In the list of truths which human reason cannot prove, he includes the existence, unity and infinity of God and the immediate creation of the universe by God. The same peculiar form of skepticism appears in his ethical doctrines. Arkham, following Scotus, maintains that right and wrong depend on the will of God and thus endangers the necessity and immutability of the principles of morality. Eo ipso, quod voluntas divina hoc vult, ratio recta dictat, quod est volendum. Historical position The principles which Arkham formulated led to materialistic skepticism. Occam was, however, saved from the explicit advocacy of materialism by his belief in the supernatural order of truth. If we exclude the element of faith and take his philosophy as it stands, we must pronounce him to be the forerunner of the anti-Christian philosophers of the Renaissance. He has been described as the first Protestant. And indeed he defended in his controversial writings the principle subsequently invoked by the first reformers to justify the encroachments of the secular power. In his philosophy, too, his whole attitude is one of protest against the prevailing realism and against the belief that the study of philosophy can be of material aid to theological sciences. In an age when theism and spiritualism were universally taught as philosophical tenets, He protested in the name of human reason that belief in God and in the spirituality of the human soul has no foundation except in revelation. Chapter 45. Followers and Opponents of Occam Occam's conceptualism and his attempt to simplify scholastic psychology and metaphysics constituted a reaction against a movement which was a source of real danger to scholasticism, the ultra-realism of the Scotists. And because alchemism, as it was called, responded to a need of the hour, it was accepted on every side and met with extraordinary success. Its triumph, however, was short-lived. Men soon realized that the danger which achamism introduced was greater than the evil which it sought to remedy. Within the period of seven years, thirteen thirty nine to thirteen forty six, three official condemnations were launched against it, the first two emanating from the University of Paris, and the third from Pope Clement the Sixth. During the fifteenth century similar decrees were issued, showing that the struggle between the alchemists and their opponents continued until the close of the scholastic era among the first followers of Ockham were robert halcote or olco died 1349 gregory of rimini died 1358 and jean buridan died about 1360 of these the most distinguished was jean buridan he was born at bethune towards the end of the 13th century. Between the years 1320 and 1323, he followed the lectures of Occam at the University of Paris. In 1328, he became rector of the university and for a quarter of a century occupied the first place among the advocates of Occamism, which system he continued to defend in spite of prohibition and condemnation. No importance is to be attached to the story that he was driven from the university and sought refuge in Vienna. Buridan developed the nominalistic theory of universals and formulated a theory of will in which he maintained that the choice is invariably determined by the greater good and that the only freedom which we possess is a power of suspending our choice and reconsidering the motives for action. The well-known comparison which gave rise to the expression Buridan's S. is not found in the works of Buridan, although it is possible that he made use of such an illustration in his lectures. During the latter half of the 14th century, Marsilius of Ingen and Peter Dailly were the principal defenders of the doctrines of Occam. The former, after having achieved remarkable success as a teacher at Paris, served the term as rector of the university. About the year 1379, he left Paris, went to Heidelberg, and was made rector of the university which had been founded in that city in 1356. Peter d'Ailly, surnamed the Eagle of France, was born at Compiègne in 1350. In 1380, he became master in the University of Paris. Later, he was promoted successively to the sees of Puy and of Cambrai. He was made cardinal in 1411 and died in 1425. With these alchemists is associated Albert of Saxony, who died in 1390. In the 15th century, Gabriel Bill 1430 to 1495, composed a Collectorium in Libro Sententiarum, which is an exposition and defense of Occam's doctrines. Among the opponents of Occam's philosophy were many of the Scotists already mentioned. To these may be added the Realists Thomas of Strasbourg, died 1357, and Dominic of Flanders, died 1500, and the Theosophist Raymond of Sabunde, Raymond of Sabunde, a Spanish physician, was professor of philosophy and medicine at Toulouse about the middle of the fourteenth century. His principal work, entitled Theologia Naturalis, is similar in method and contents to the Ars Magna of Lully. Raymond explains the union of philosophy with theology as consisting in the ability of each science to establish all truth, whether natural or supernatural. Whatever is contained in the Book of Nature is contained in the Book of Sacred Scripture, and whatever is contained in the Book of Sacred Scripture is contained in the Book of Nature. There is, however, this difference between the two books, that what is contained in the Book of Nature is contained per modum probationis, while what is contained in the Book of Sacred Scripture is contained per modum precepti et per modum mandati, In this way, Raymond breaks down the distinction which the schoolmen of the preceding age placed between the natural and the supernatural orders of truth, a distinction which is as essential to the true doctrine of scholasticism as is the absence of contradiction between the two orders. The general tendency of Raymond's thought was towards realism rather than towards nominalism or conceptualism. There is also traceable in his writings a leaning towards the mystic school of philosophy, and although he does not formulate the principle amo ut intelligam, he evidently attaches very great importance to the contemplative love of God as a factor in man's spiritual life. Amor complet omnia, quia primo per amorem omnes creaturas ordinavit Deus ad hominem, Deinde homo per amorem coniungitur et collegatur Deo. Solus amor facit hominem bonum vel malum. Virtus non est aliut quam amor bonus, et vicium non est aliut nisi amor malus. While Raymond was teaching Theosophical Mysticism in France and Spain, another and very different form of Mysticism was being developed in the schools of the Low Countries. End of chapters 44 and 45